0: We're so excited, the staff, the elders, uh, to be able to uh, show you some baptisms and some testimonies that took place earlier in the week. We videoed that, and so we're going to be sharing that with you in just a few minutes. Uh, uh, I wanted to say, too, that... Some people are nervous about being baptized because they're afraid they have to have their testimony videoed, they have to have their baptism videoed, and we want you to know that if if you're uncomfortable with that, let us know, and we would be happy uh, to do that in a more private setting with you and your pod. Uh, Who knew that we'd be talking about pods now, Uh, but we are. Uh, but I don't want you or we don't want you to not be baptized because you don't want that video thing going on, so there's that. And so before we have the privilege of hearing those testimonies and seeing those baptisms, I wanted to take a few minutes to speak to you about what the Bible has to say about baptism. And so I'd like to read uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 uh, to 15. It's not going to be on the screen, so you can, you can find it on your device or in your Bible, or you can just listen. It's kind of a dense passage. So uh, for you to listen, it'll take some some doing, but we're gonna go back and look at some things in there as well. So here we are, Colossians 2, starting in verse eight. Here's what it says. See to it that there is no one who takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception in accordance with human tradition in accordance with the elementary principles of the world, rather than in accordance with Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. And he, Jesus, is the head over every ruler and authority, and in him you are also circumcised with a circumcision performed without hands." in the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your wrongdoings and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our wrongdoings, having canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And when he had disarmed disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Pray with me. Lord, the privilege of baptism, the privilege of following you. Uh, I pray that we would engage here. I pray as usual that you would be the primary teacher here. We commit this service, this opportunity, this time to you, and pray in Jesus' name, amen. In addition to addressing baptism, I think this passage contains really a very good, comprehensive overview of the gospel that we celebrated just last weekend. And what we see in this passage from Colossians is that baptism is deeply rooted in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who again, who yielded Himself up as the supreme sacrifice for our sinful condition. And with his defeat of death through the resurrection, again, we celebrated last week, it guarantees the believer's new and everlasting life uh, as the reason that we demonstrate our devotion to Christ through baptism. And with that said, and in consideration of the passage we just read, there are at least four affirmations that I would like to quickly point out in preparation for us viewing the testimonies and the baptisms from this last week. And so, as usual, I'm going to give you those four. We'll go back and look at those briefly, one at a time. So number one, baptism is ordained by Jesus himself. Number two, baptism paves the way for a deeper union with Christ. Number three, baptism, the means of baptism, is primarily through immersion. And number four, Baptism is a demonstration of our devotion. So let's go back, look at those one at a time. Baptism is ordained by Jesus himself. Most of us are familiar with the passage that we call the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Here's what it says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The primary focus of these verses, as you know, is to make disciples. And also, we see the twofold means in making disciples. Sometimes we try and make it too complicated, but there's two things here. First of all, disciples are to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then disciples are to be taught. And I just, a little sideways here, a little side comment here, discipleship. Again, I think we make it too complicated, but we are to teach disciples. And I was just thinking about this this last week as I was thinking about the sermon, and I think it was about a week after my personal conversion, uh, 1974, um, uh, that's a while ago, but I think it was about a week after, but maybe it was like a month, but I went to this discipleship seminar by this guy, and um, he started the seminar with this phrase that most of us are probably familiar with. If you give a person a fish, you feed them for a day. If you teach them to fish, you feed them for a lifetime. And that's my perception of what baptism is. Not giving people fish. It's not my job to feed you, but it's, it's my job, our staff's job, to teach you how to feed yourself and, and your marriage, your relationships, your kids, uh, your sphere of influence. That's, that's how we see discipleship here. And then we see in this passage, Jesus is promising to be with us as we devote ourselves to this great commission that he's called us to. That brings us to number two. Baptism paves the way for a deeper union with Christ. Union with Christ is probably one of the, if not, I'm, I'm just, I love, I'm passionate about union with Christ. It's one of the most important doctrines in the Bible. And it's often depicted, and we've talked about this from our study in Ephesians, it's often depicted in the New Testament with the phrase, in him, or with him, or in Christ, some variation of being in him. One prominent theologian theologian says union with Christ is the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. And the expression, in him, or some variation of that, is used 216 times in Paul's letters and 26 times in John's writing. It's a big deal. And here's something that I've said before we get to looking at that passage again, something that I've said to you several times, and I'll continue to say it. If you are in Him, if you are a believer and you are in Him, then all that is true of Christ is now true of you. If you are in him, all that is true of Christ is now true of you. And when I say that, I usually ask this question. What would your life be like if if that was engrafted into your soul and you lived out of that place of acknowledging, of seeing that if we are in him, all that is true of him is now true of me? I long for that. I'm, I'm not there yet, but that's... Uh, a desire of mine to keep moving forward in understanding this doctrine of um, being in him, union with Christ. So let's look back at Colossians 2 and read a piece of that again. It's already up there. Good. Okay, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. And he is the head of every ruler and authority, and in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision performed without hands in the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. In him. See how Paul just continues to pound that into us, so to speak. So there's two things that are going on in this passage. We see the doctrine of union with Christ as essential. And then we also see something interesting here. It seems like a mixed metaphor, right, where he goes from circumcision to baptism. But what Paul seems to be saying here is that baptism replaces circumcision as the primary demonstration of our devotion. Old Testament, Hebrew, circumcision. New Testament, we've got something else. It's it's Paul saying our union with Christ, baptism uh, replaces circumcision. Okay. I had a joke for a service that didn't go over very well, so I'm just going to leave that out. You can ask me afterwards. Yeah, you are. Okay, the joke is... If you're a guy here and you haven't been circumcised, or this is good news. That's my joke. See, it didn't go over here very well either. So. All right, hang in there. Number three, the means of baptism is primarily through immersion. The clearest evidence for this is in Colossians 2, verse 12. It's also pretty clear in Romans 6, 3 and 4 which described the act of baptism as a burial and rising from the dead. Here's what it says in Colossians. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And the word baptism in the original Greek language means to dip or immerse. And most scholars agree that this is the way that the early church practiced baptism, all the way down and all the way up. Uh, Can a case for infant baptism be made? And the answer to that is yes. Proponents of infant baptism would say that because baptism replaces circumcision, as I just said, which is usually practiced on the eighth day after birth, that now infants can be baptized on that same timeline. That's what proponents of infant baptism would say. Additionally, there are two references in the Bible of whole households being baptized when one person gets converted. We have Lydia, and we have the Philippian jailer, both of whom became Christians, and their whole oikos, uh, household, were baptized along with them. However, there's no indication that any infants were baptized in the households, and there's no depiction of any infants being baptized in the New Testament. And here at CCC, we would strongly encourage baptism by immersion, or what is often called believer's baptism. And, and for insta- infants, um, we do practice as a church child dedications, where as a congregation, we commit to walk uh, with a family, with their children, uh, and, and disciple them and, and commit to walking with them by, through the dedication of their children. And number four, baptism is a demonstration of our devotion. Therefore, we believe that the Bible teaches us that baptism is is only for believers. That is why it's referred to as believer's baptism. Here at CCC, we see that baptism is an ordinance, uh, or or we could call it a sacrament. Those are interchangeable terms. More Catholicism is more uh, sacrament, Protestantism is more ordinance. So here at CCC, we see that baptism is an ordinance or a sacrament of the Lord by which those who have repented and come to a place of saving faith demonstrates their devotion to union with Christ and His death and resurrection. It is not something we believe that an unbeliever or an infant can do. So as we uh, conclude, more uh, aim towards those, uh, viewing those testimonies and the baptisms, uh, I'd like to address one more significant concern that almost every parent has, and it's a reason why some people, you know, really cling to the hope of infant baptism. Do infants who die, included aborted babies, go to heaven? It's a big, important question for any parent. The most common view among biblical scholars is that all those who die in infancy, including aborted babies, are among God's elect who have been chosen by God for salvation. This would also be true of all those who are mentally incapacitated and are incapable of making an informed choice. And the evidence for this view is a little bit scarce, but it is nevertheless significant. Romans 1, chapter 1, verse 20 says this, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they, that's us, are without excuse. It's a pretty powerful passage, isn't it? Uh, In this passage, Paul describes the recipients of what's called general revelation and seeing the beauty, the wonder, the majesty of creation and being without excuse. Paul is saying that there is sufficient revelation of God's existence in just simply the natural order to establish a moral accountability for all who witness it. I would love to spend more time on that verse because it's awesome. Uh, But that helps us to see God's heart uh, in regards um, to when an infant uh, dies. Therefore, those who die in infancy or who are mentally incapacitated, they have an excuse in that they neither receive this general revelation nor do they have the capacity to respond to it. So when all is said and done here, here's what we see the Scriptures saying. Number one, baptism is uncompromisingly commanded by Jesus in the Great Commission. Number two, baptism was universally administered to Christians entering into the early church and throughout the course of history. And number three, baptism was uniquely connected to conversion as an expression of saving faith and the demonstration of our devotion to Jesus Christ. I hope that gives you some understanding and some perspective. Um, If you haven't been baptized, I would strongly encourage you. I think it'll be a couple of months. We'll have another baptism. And so we want to encourage people that have not been baptized and also be praying for for God to use this church uh, to trust us with salvations, knowing that we will receive people and help them connect to Christ and to one another. Uh, That's our prayer for the days ahead. So uh, pray with me, and then we'll, we'll catch some testimonies and some baptisms. Lord, just in thinking about speaking about aborted babies. It brings tears to my heart and my soul. Uh, I pray that you would give us, your church, this church, us as individuals, uh, the courage to speak um, lovingly, compassionately, and to have this conversation on why this is so wrong in our culture in our nation and around the world. Uh, And I do pray also for those who have not been baptized that hearing what I've said today and watching these testimonies and videos that you will cause some people to say, I want, I need, I want to do this to, um, to declare my devotion to Christ. And so we commit that to you. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Hi, my name is Ian Nason, and this is my baptism story. My life before Christ was a total mess, drinking and getting into trouble. I was raised Catholic and didn't really know much about Jesus and how coming to him could save me in more ways than one. When I was 27, I met a Baptist pastor who gave me some tapes about Jesus and his teaching on how to have a better life. So I listened to the tapes about what was in the Bible and how Jesus Christ was going to save me. And at that point, I invited Jesus into my life. But then I wandered away. In 2020, I was working with some ladies who had faith that was so beautiful, and I wanted to have that. So I came back to the church and came back into the fold and committed my life to Christ. I left my old life behind and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. At first, I couldn't believe He would accept a sinner like me, but the more I heard about Him and how He died for me, I became more aware of Jesus and His love for me. As the hymn, Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sounds that saved a wrench like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, and I am blessed to have found
2: Jesus. So Anne, do you declare that Jesus is Lord, that he's the Son of God, that he died on the cross, and he rose again three days later for the forgiveness of your sins? I do. Well, then upon your confession, Anne, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
3: <laughs>
2: awesome, awesome.
4: Hi, my name is Kim Vail, and this is my baptism story. My reason for taking the next step in wanting to be baptized is now I truly understand the meaning of being a child of God. As an infant and as tradition, I was baptized in the Catholic faith. From that day forward, my religion was chosen for me. It did not have much meaning to my heart because I still did not understand or have an intimate relationship with my Creator. Throughout my childhood and into my young adulthood, I faced many rejections. I would seek and search for my identity in failed relationships, I continued on a path where I patted myself on the back for my accomplishments and blamed God for my failures. I have allowed my insecurities, self-doubt, and at some point self-hate to consume me and take away the joy in accepting the truth of knowing that I am a chosen child of God. As long as I can remember, God has always spoken to me. I just chose what I wanted to hear. Until one night, I was lying in bed and he said to me, do you see all that I have blessed you with? I said, yes. Now is the time for you to give me my time, even if it's one hour a week. I pondered on that conversation I had with God and felt shame, guilt consume me and knew that that point I needed to change. Only now I realized that he had left the 99 and came in search of me. God was calling me home. A couple of months later, I received an invite to Community Covenant Church for Mother's Day. My Uncle John and Anatai were celebrating my cousin Nikiso's baby dedication. I automatically felt a presence of hope and belonging and a sense of community. I continued to come to church worship and was gravitated even closer by the sermons that gave me a feeling that the message spoke to what I was going through at that moment in my life. At this point, I still was not interacting at church. I would say hi and have a quick conversation and then leave until the next Sunday. This all changed once Jesus redirected my path to the prayer team in my small group. This is where I have met some of God's most faithful servants, people that I barely knew, who barely knew me, held me in their arms with no judgment and gave me a safe haven, to express myself in ways I never imagined was possible. Now I know this is how God works. He embraces and touches our hearts through community, His children. For so long, I have been my biggest critic. I have self-sabotaged in many different ways, but the scales from my eyes have come off, and I am learning to accept myself because God loved me first. He loves me just the way I am. I've been adopted into His kingdom. Romans 12.2 says, Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will, for which is good and pleasing and perfect accepting Jesus as my lord and savior through his suffering, shedding of his blood, crucifixion and resurrection was the ultimate sacrifice for the forgiveness of my sins. I am not worthy and he deserves all the honor and all the honor and glory. My promise to my family, friends, church and most important, my lord and savior I will continue to walk on His firm foundation and continue my lifelong path with Him. I am no longer scared of the what-ifs, because I know my Lord is right by my side. Some days will be less challenging than others will, but the real power in our God is those days when we are at our lowest, then that is when His light shines even brighter. As I am lower to be baptized, I repent to the Lord all my sins, and through my faith I am saved. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die.
2: I got a question for you first. Do you declare that Jesus is Lord? Yes. That he died on the cross, and three days later he rose from the dead for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes, I do. Kim, upon your confession, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
5: Hi, this is uh, Skip Gummo, and this is my baptism story. Uh, I was baptized as an infant in the Catholic Church, and would like to be baptized as an adult. I always knew of Jesus, but never really understood what he wants me to do in this world to serve him. Before I made a commitment to follow Christ, my life was all about trying to be a good citizen in this world and as much as possible, being nice to everyone. However, my decision to follow Christ has changed my heart to now consider less of myself and instead focus more on those that I meet every day. There is a stirring in my heart of a culmination of years of knowledge of who Jesus is, and a more earnest self-examination of self that is piercing my heart. I'm one of the last holdouts and the oldest in a group of individuals that started this new journey 10 years ago. And I thought that I had to have everything perfectly aligned with Jesus to publicly declare that I was a follower. I learned over the years that we can never meet the holiness that Jesus portrays, and we come to him as a broken people. So I am here as a broken person on a long journey that is ever-changing, trying to reach his holiness. My decision to follow Christ hit me hard when my wife Susan was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2009. This was devastating. We managed to get through that difficult time, but God wasn't done with me. I was still doing my own things and really not understanding what he wanted for me. Late 2019, Susan again was in the hospital for her cancer came back again and this time the prognosis was not good. We cannot do this alone and I must remove my pride and sinful nature from self and just accept Jesus as I am with no fear. I live, not yet I, but Christ liveth in me. Jesus died on the cross to forgive me once and for all. Jesus is the cornerstone of my faith, and he has blessed me with so many Christian friends and supporters. I can only hope that the time I spend in worship with everyone here at CCC, that they truly will hear the trumpet sound only in glorifying Jesus Christ.
2: So Skip, do you declare that Jesus is Lord? And he is the Son of God. He died on the cross in three days. He rose from the dead for the forgiveness of your sins. Yes, I do. Upon hearing your confession, Skip, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Hi, this is uh, David Provenzal, uh, and this is my baptized, uh, baptism story. I was born and raised Catholic, was baptized at birth, was an incredibly lucky child where my parents, uh, the parents God chose for me, were the best anyone could ask for. And they still are very faithful Catholics. Like others, I had, good t- I had a really good life. Plenty of good times There were bad times, but I was trying to keep a positive attitude and remain happy, Whatever, uh, through what uh, through everything was thrown my way. I was married for 24 years, I have uh, two daughters, Michaela and Caitlin. Uh, that marriage ended in divorce. And then uh, one night in November, after my usual nightly drink, I went to bed and laid there looking at the ceiling, wondering what I was doing, why I was doing this. This is not who I wanted to be. I finally opened up and started to pray and after confessing to God and myself that I wasn't living the life He intended for me, I asked God forgiveness and strength, the strength to get through it. I felt like I didn't belong here. I always thought it was the area northeast that wasn't for me. I always seemed to have this, this hole in me that I could never get filled. After I prayed to God, and I I began to lose my need for that nightly drink. Then eight, eight months later, I met Kim. In October 2018, Kim invited me to Community Covenant Church, and that's where the transformation began. I started attending every Sunday with Kim, of course, and started to realize that that feeling of not belonging was gone away. On February 26th, 2021, at about 2.15 in the morning, I woke up for a drink of water and went back to bed and began praying to God, thanking Him for everything He had done for me, for the amazing team, me family and friends, etc. He put together to get me to where I am today. And I, st- and I started to see this image in my eyes. I opened them and closed them again to be sure what I, was, you know, I wasn't seeing things. And the image was there again. I suddenly had this feeling of complete bliss. I started to cry and continued praying. I, did not want, I didn't want the image to go away and never actually went back to sleep. I got up and started to think, you know, what was he trying to tell me? And my first thought, to, first thought that came to my mind was, I gotta get baptized. And ever since that decision, I come to realize that it was the right move. I can honestly say that I had found what was missing. The feeling of not belonging is gone. I found the true inner happiness and all I had to do was surrender. I surrendered everything to God. You see, true happiness isn't found in any material things. It's not found in money. It's not found in in, liquor. True happiness comes when you open your heart to the One who created you. So David, do you declare that Jesus is Lord,
2: that He is the Son of God, that he died on the cross, and three days later, he rose from the dead for the forgiveness of your sins. David, upon your confession, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. 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 Awesome.
3: My name is Luke Piscatelli and this is my baptism story. I grew up in a Christian household. My relationship with God started to become real in middle school. I began thinking about it less like a religion and more like a relationship. I wanted to have more faith, like what I saw others having in Bible stories and things like that. As I got older, I started to feel more self-conscious and I felt the need for God's peace in my life. I've been pursuing God out of obedience. I know that reading the Bible, praying, and worshiping will bring me closer to God, so I've been making these things a part of my daily life. i felt more peace from God, I've been sleeping better, and i found myself feeling more positive and hopeful about the future. I know that baptism is the next step in my walk with God, and it's an important next step for me. I want to continue to grow closer to God. I want Him to direct my life. All right, so Luke,
2: do you declare that Jesus is Lord? that he's the son of God, that he died on the cross and three days later he rose from the dead for the forgiveness of your sins. I do. And upon your confession, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Awesome.